what I'm going to bring today is what is the secret of God? What is the mystery of the kingdom? What is, on the other hand, the mystery of lawlessness? And all of those describe what's in the Bible. And we have to understand this, that the Protestants and the Catholics and the Jews all agree on this. Number one, the Old Testament is for the Jews. The Sabbath and Holy Days are just for the Jews. And the Jews don't believe, with the exception of a very few, that there is any such thing as Jesus Christ. The Protestants believe in Jesus. They profess him. They claim to worship and adore him. But do they have the right Jesus? How do we know? What does the Bible tell us? There are a lot of questions we need to answer. So we'll answer those, but first I want to cover a couple of other things that need to be answered. Now, I think we have online, you can download a link to it, and we'll have it up there by Monday, what I have in my hands. Okay? And what we have online is Herbert Armstrong in his own words. Now, there are several churches of God out there today who say, if there is anything different from Herbert Armstrong, what he taught, that's not correct. Well, did he always teach the truth? Or did he mix in error with truth and record it in his own words? What did he say in his own words to some of the religious leaders in Islamic countries? Allah and God are the same. Now that is not true. So I have a whole article we're going to put up online, you can download, which is this, that Allah was part of the Islamic pagan worship as the head god of the pagans long before Mohammed ever came. And so here's a very thorough research purpose, paper rather, and remember, we are to prove all things. Let's take a look at something else. I mentioned this last week, and, and uh, I'll mention it again. China is having a great deal of problems with their economy, and there are a lot of leading financial advisors who are saying that the world is close to a recession. Well, 
not only a recession, but here in America, we're close to a lot of other things that we'll cover a little later. Okay. But let's ask the question. What is the secret of the Lord? And how can we find it? Is it in the Bible? And if it is in the Bible, how do we know that we should do it? Because a lot of people, they say, well, we don't know. And they like to dismiss it. Okay. So, let's come here to Jeremiah 15. Let's read something very interesting. Because this is how people think. Now, Job had his problems. And his problems wasn't that he didn't understand the laws of God. His problem was he thought that his righteousness was as good as God's. So that's why he went through the trial that he went through. And it was gruesome indeed. And if we go through the book of Job, we'll find out. See? Let's come here to Job 15. Very interesting what is said, because this was said by Eliaphaz, the the son of Teman. Okay? Job 15. Let's pick it up here in verse 1. Now, they had three friends were there, and they were having a conversation, trying to figure out why, why Job, who was supposed to be really righteous, which he was, was having all these troubles and God afflicting him. And so they were trying to weasel out of him what sins he was committing. Okay? So Eliaphaz the Temanite answered and said to to Job, Should a wise man answer vain knowledge and fill his belly with the east wind? You've got to have substance to what you're saying, what you're doing. Should he reason with unprofitable talk and with speeches which can do no good? Now, isn't that the way a lot of it is today? Listen to what goes on in the news. Listen to what goes on on television. Look what goes on on, on the Internet. Look what goes back and forth on the smartphones, social media. There it is right there, speeches which can do no good. Yea, you do away with fear and hinder prayer before God. Now, he was right in that. He didn't fear God. He trusted in himself. For your iniquity teaches your mouth and you choose the tongue of the crafty, your own mouth condemns you, not I. Yea, your own lips testify against you. Were you the first man born? Now, that's quite a question to him, huh? This is pretty tough talk. Or were you made before the hills? Okay. Have you learned the secret counsel of God? And the answer was, 
He didn't. And do you limit wisdom in yourself? And that's what you do when you don't acknowledge God. All right. So let's begin to answer the question. What is the secret of the Lord and how do you understand it? Because it is in the Bible. Now, a lot of people think the Bible is full of lies because when they read it, they can't understand it. So we'll look at some of the keys on how you understand it. Let's come to 2 Thessalonians 2. Now, you can tie this all the way back to Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay? 2 Thessalonians 2. Because the mystery of lawlessness pervades the world. And it is carried on by the Jews, the Protestants, and the Catholics. The Jews say you don't need the New Testament, we don't believe in Christ. The Protestants say we don't need the Old Testament because the Jews do that, and we don't need to keep the days of the Jews, okay? But they don't understand that they're part of the mystery of lawlessness. So let's pick it up here. Second Thessalonians 2 and verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already working. It's constantly working in the world. Confusion, wars, killings, robberies, all of the things that are going wrong in the world and everything that's going wrong in America. Only there is one who is restraining at the present time until it arises out of the midst. So that's the end time complete fulfillment of the mystery of lawlessness, which will come, as we know, in the book of Revelation, where that not only does Satan deceive the world, but the world will be worshiping Satan, the devil and worshiping the coming one world leader. So it will come. All right. Then the lawless one shall be revealed. Now notice this is right at the end time. The lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and will destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now notice who is behind the mystery of lawlessness and always comes and says, I have something new. I have something special. You need this. Try it. You'll like it. That goes all the way back to Genesis 3, right? Yes. Okay. Even the one whose coming is according to the inner workings of Satan. Now, that's interesting, isn't it, that Lyell was talking about the inner workings of God, right? Yes. Well, there's an inner working of Satan. With all power and signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in those who are perishing because there's always a cause. Okay. They did not 
receive the love of the truth. Now, that's the first key. How do you understand the mystery of God? The secret. Now, mystery means secret. Now, how can it be secret when it's published in the Bible and available to everyone? How does that work? Well, we will see. Okay. They don't receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Now, here's what happens. Goes right back to what we we know as God has given Adam and Eve and all of those before the flood that God gave to Israel after he called them out of, out of Egypt. He set before them life and death, blessing and cursing. Okay. He said, choose life that you may live. Okay. Now, what happens if you don't choose it? See, because before you understand the secret of God, the simple things are given by God for you to start to understand him. And then everyone has to choose, what are they going to do? All right. Now notice if you give yourself over to the mystery of lawlessness, the inner workings of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness. Now that's another statement, isn't it? All deceivableness. Says there in Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, that Satan is the one who deceives. Now, on the other hand, for those that God is dealing with, they have to answer the call. Because many are called and few are chosen. Now, why are few chosen? Because few repent to acknowledge the truth and want the truth, and love the truth, see? Because if you don't love the truth, boom, you're going to be confronted with a lot of deception, which will look really good. But as we're seeing today, look at all of the evil that it brings later on. Now, here's what God does. So how is God dealing with people? People in the world and those that he has called. And those that have been called and chosen. Because the call goes out to many, but few are chosen. The called, the chosen, and the faithful. How many are those in that category? All right. For this cause of getting into all all deceivableness, God shall send upon them a powerful deception that will cause them to believe the lie. And the lie is that the coming great man on the earth 
will be accepted as the Messiah to solve the problems of the world. And everyone will think this is great. So, let's understand. How do we understand the secret of the Lord? Okay. Well, let's come back here to Psalm 25. And here's quite a scripture, see. And Psalm 25 also tells us that God is the one who has to teach us. God is the one who has to reveal these things to us. We don't come by it because we think. We don't come by it because we use the logic of philosophy. Okay? Psalm 25. Now notice the attitude. We'll start right there in verse 1 because this tells us then how we begin to understand the secret of the Lord. All right? Notice verse 1. To you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul between you and God directly, see? O my God, I trust in you. Okay? So let's write these three words down. Make it four. Because trust and believe are synonymous. So number one, you must believe God. Number two, we will see, you must obey God. And number three, we will see, is you must love God. So you must believe, you must obey, you must love. With that comes trust. Okay? Do not let me be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none of those who wait on you be ashamed. No, God wants us all close to him. And there's a secret of doing that, which we are right in the middle of doing right now, which is the Sabbath day. Let's go on. Let them be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O teach me your paths. Now notice you're relying on God, you're relying on his word, you're relying on his laws, you're relying on his commandments, and, as Lyle brought out, you're relying on his spirit. And he says here, lead me in your truth and teach me. Now, that's why we have the Sabbath every week. Okay. So the first great key in understanding the secret of God is the Sabbath. Sabbath day is the first great key. Now, that's not a finish. That is a start. Okay? Show me your ways. Notice, plural. Oh, Lord, teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me 
for you are the God of my salvation. I do wait on you all the day long. Okay. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they have been of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth and my transgressions. According to your righteousness, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Now I'm reading this so you can understand what kind of attitude we need to have toward God to understand the secret of the Lord. Okay. Therefore, he will teach sinners his way. All right. So let's come down here to verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. Now, what does fearing God mean? It means to believe him. It means to obey him. It means to love him. So if you want to know the secret of the Lord, and everybody likes secrets and everybody likes mysteries, but they don't like the secret and mystery of God because it requires of them things that they don't like to do. And let's see, we will see, we'll take a break now, we'll come back and we will see that God has to reveal it. And we will see how he will reveal it and why that is so important. So let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll be back in 20. Now let's continue on with the mystery of lawlessness versus the mystery of God or the mystery of righteousness, if you want to put it that way, and also the mystery of prophecy. Because God says he knows the beginning from the end and the first from the last. So he knows everything, but he didn't reveal it all in one place, nor at one time. So that's something we need to understand. Let's come to Daniel, the the second chapter. We'll just look at a couple of verses here because it tells us this. God must reveal to his servants to have them write it down. What he wants made known. Now, a lot of things in the past were hidden without being known. But when you come to the time of Christ, things began to be made known. And then later we will see what is called the mystery of God and Christ, what God is doing, even though the world doesn't see it, doesn't know it, doesn't understand it, because they are under the mystery of lawlessness, though they think that it's righteousness. Okay? So let's look at the mystery of prophecy here. Okay? And it starts right out in Daniel, the second chapter, the dream with Nebuchadnezzar. 
And Daniel was the one who was given the understanding of the secret of the image and the meaning of it. And remember, Nebuchadnezzar pulled his pulled one on all of his religious leaders and seances and astrologers when he called him in and said, I had a dream. I want you to tell me what the dream is. And I want you to tell me the meaning of the dream. And if you don't, your head's going to (laughs) roll. Okay? So then God revealed it to Daniel. Okay? Let's pick it up here in verse 18. So Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego gave themselves over to the mercies of God, verse 18, in heaven, concerning this secret, that Daniel and his companions should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel, God revealing. Now, God reveals by direct revelation with his spirit, as we will see. God reveals by his word. And let's understand what his word is. What did Jesus say? Okay. He said that his words were spirit and life. In other words, the way you understand it is with spiritual understanding that comes from God and through his word. So this happened with Daniel. Secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision, and Daniel blessed the God of heaven, and Daniel said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, and for wisdom and might are his. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings. He sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals. Now notice all of that God does. What does this tell us? God is fully in charge of everything on the earth, even though Satan has permission to do what he's going to do. But he can't do any more than what God tells him to do. Okay? Now we find that in the book of Job. We won't turn there, but let's go on. He reveals the deep and secret things. Now, he did not reveal all of them in the Old Testament. And he didn't reveal some of them in the New Testament because you have to put the Old and New Testament together so you get the full picture, okay? Reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what's in the darkness and light dwells with him, okay? Then he was brought to the king, Ariok, the chief of the of the guards watching the captives from from Judea, okay, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, that was his his uh, Babylonian name, Belshazzar. Are you able to make known to me the dream which I have seen? And its interpretation. 
Now, are you going to tell me both? Notice Daniel's answer. And Daniel answered before the king and said, The secret which the king has demanded cannot be shown to the kingdom by the wise men, the enchanters, the astrologers, and magicians. You can't rely on human understanding. Today, we can put it this way. You cannot rely on philosophies and degrees of intellectuals. Same thing. Okay. Verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and makes known to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, what shall be in the latter days. Now here's a key. What we understand today was not understood until after Christ came and after the apostles had written what they had written and after the canonization was done and coming to the last days. Now, we'll look at the last days in a minute. We won't go through much more of what we have here with Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. Your dream and your vision in your head, which you saw was this, so then he explained the whole thing to him, all of them. And that brings down the whole history of mankind down to the end time. And Daniel was told, what's going to happen at the end time? Okay. A lot of these things, though they're described here through the book of Daniel and everything, God made known that the end of man's rule is going to come when God himself comes to the earth, that is Jesus Christ, and destroys all the kingdoms of this world under men. Okay. Now we'll talk about that next Sabbath, on trumpets, okay? But let's come to chapter 12. Let's look at some important verses here in chapter 12. Pick it up here in verse, verse 2, okay? Daniel 12 and verse 2. Here's a projection forward to the first resurrection. Now, there's only one place in the entire Bible which a lot of people don't believe, that tells us there's more than one resurrection. One phrase in one verse in Revelation 20, the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years are finished. See? That one phrase is a secret of God we understand. But the world doesn't understand it. Why? Because they don't believe God, they don't obey God, and they do not love God. All right? Now, verse 2, Daniel 12. For many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, eternal life, some to shame and everlasting contempt, the second death. All right? Now notice verse 3. And they who are wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they who turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever and ever. A projection of the whole purpose of the gospel, the coming of Christ, 
the gift of eternal life and how God is going to do that. Okay. Then he describes the end time. Verse 4, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end, for many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Does that not tell us what it is today? Yes, indeed. Go to a shopping mall anywhere and look at all the cars. Not only here, but everywhere around the world. Look at all the airlines and all the planes, all the trains, motorcycles, bicycles, whatever you have. Everybody's going somewhere doing something, right? Even in Hollister, we're getting so we have traffic jams. <laughs> okay. Is that scripture true? Did it happen today? Is it occurring now? Is God's word reliable? Okay. So if you've never heard that before, you better believe it so you can start to understand. Okay. Now, let's come over here to verse 8. Now, after being given all of these revelations and prophecies that he has written down, and even coming to, to Daniel, the ninth chapter, which brings us to the second coming of Christ, he didn't understand it. He was given certain details of it, kind of like a giant puzzle. You get certain parts, and then you can get some of them organized, and you can see kind of a picture with that part of it. But here are all the other pieces that need to be put together with it, but you, it's not time to put it together. So here's what he, God told Daniel, verse 8. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Now notice what he answered him. He never told him anything more about understanding the prophecies that he was given that he wrote down. Okay. And he said to him, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Why? Because they are a mystery. They are a secret of God. And why? Because men reject God. And when they reject God, any part of God, they cut themselves off. Okay. Many shall be purified and made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly. Is that happening today? Do we see it today? Okay, yes. None of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Why will the wise understand? Who are the wise? The wise ones are those who believe God, obey God, and love God. We'll see that in just a minute here. They won't understand, okay? But the wise shall understand. Future. We have to have a lot of things come in place to understand, okay? Now, let's do a quick summary of the Sabbath and Holy Days because these all come into play. Okay. Now then, 
Sabbath is the key from creation all the way through the Bible. And what does it picture? And as we will see, every one of the holy days and feast of God picture major things that take place. Sabbath is so we can all learn of God, be taught of God, understand His Word, receive His Spirit, grow in grace and knowledge, and the Sabbath puts us in contact with God. And we need the Sabbath every week because six days of not having a Sabbath leaves us with need to have the Sabbath to rest, to understand the Word of God. So the Sabbath is key. Okay? Now then, let's look at the key without the lock. Okay? Let's come to Leviticus 23. You know Leviticus 23. We've all been there how many times, right? What does it tell us? We'll just read the first couple of verses here so we understand how important that the Sabbath is. Leviticus 23. Okay. Now we're going to come here all during the next couple of weeks because we have trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, and last great day coming up. Some of the most important feasts describing what God is going to do to complete his plan. Okay. Now notice verse 1. Now, this is a key, but you need to have the lock in order to put the key in it to understand it. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, Concerning the appointed feast of God. Now, this tells us these are owned by God. Now, project forward just a little bit concerning the Sabbath. We'll look at that in just a second here, okay? Which you shall proclaim. Now then, to be holy convocations, we must come together or alone, but together with Christ and the Father on the Sabbath. He says, these are my appointed times. Okay. Then he says, six days you shall labor, but the Sabbath and so forth. So the Sabbath sanctifies all the holy days. Then what do we have after that? Okay. Does the Sabbath commemorate a very important event? Yes. Creation of the world and everything in it, right? That's why it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For in six days the Lord created everything that there is. So we remember God is creator. We're not uh, by ourselves, unto ourselves, for ourselves, but God made us. Okay? And that's the first step. Which you shall proclaim. Okay? Now then, we have the rest coming. We have the next one, which is Passover. Does that picture major events in history? 
Yes, it pictures the covenant with Abraham, Genesis 15. It pictures the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt, out from all the gods of Egypt and all the sins of Egypt, right? Okay. Then we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which comes right along after that. Okay. Now God took something very simple to teach us a lesson. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. See? And in the New Testament, we're told this. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. And then we find other things about that, that his blood is shed for all sin, for all who repent. Okay? Is that a major event? The death of Christ? That's the whole focal thing that started right there in Genesis 3 after Adam and Eve sinned. Promise of a Messiah. All the way down through history until he came. And he had to come as a man. Okay. Now then, we have two holy days with that. They crossed the Red Sea. Was that a big event? Yes. They entered into the promised land. Is that a big event? Yes. Okay. Then we come to Pentecost. And they're all there at Mount Sinai, gathered around Mount Sinai. And God spoke the Ten Commandments to them. Is that a big event? Yes. So big that it's the whole fabric of, of the Bible. See? And most people don't know it, but that the promises that God has given, and God cannot lie, were given to Abraham in Genesis 15, and all the rest of the Bible is an expansion on God's plan, what he is doing, clear till we come to Revelation 22. Okay. Now then, we have Pentecost. Then we have trumpets. We're coming up on that day. That is a war feast. Now we're going to find out how great that's going to be. So you be here for trumpets. See, because it's not what the people in the world are going to imagine. And it's not going to be what they think, and it's not going to be what the Protestants think. Very few understand, if any understand it, okay? So, these are all the keys. Then atonement. Atonement tells us, what is God going to do with sin? What is God going to do with people who didn't sin, sin unto death? But Christ was never there. Because Christ did not come till after 4,000 years from creation. So how is God going to apply the sacrifice of Jesus Christ to them? Well, Protestantism doesn't know. Judaism doesn't know. None of the religions of the world know because it's a secret in the Bible, contained in the Bible, so that we understand. See? Now, then we have the last great day. That's quite a thing. All right? Now, let's come here to Ephesians. 
the third chapter. Okay. Because everything in the New Testament is a revelation of God, but it is also a mystery of God. Now then, let's understand this concerning the Sabbath day in the New Testament. Jesus said that he was Lord of the Sabbath day. Does that not agree with Leviticus 23, verses 1 and 2 that we read? Yes. Because Jesus was the one who was the Lord God of the Old Testament, who became Jesus Christ. And he said, he was Lord of the Sabbath, and it's put in the possessive tense. He owns it. Okay, so now that we have described all of the feast and holy days of God as being keys to understanding, let's look at the mystery of lawlessness and do a comparison. Mystery of righteousness is what? Sabbath, Passover, unleavened bread, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, last great day, right? What is the mystery of lawlessness? Sunday or Friday or any other day? Rejection of Christ. Holidays of this world. Right after we get done with the Feast of Tabernacles, guess what comes in a couple of weeks? The death celebration of Satan the devil, Halloween. Are they deceived? Have they received the love of the truth? No. The truth is the word of God. Now they like to come in and pick out this verse and pick out that verse and pick out another verse, but they can't put it together because they're missing the first basic thing that is necessary, and that begins with the Sabbath, and then right after that, all of the holy days. Okay? And that ties all in with Christ, with his birth, with his death, with his resurrection, the whole plan of God. See? But you can't come to understand that. It must be given. See? Now, Before we come to Ephesians 3, let's come to Matthew 13 for just a minute. Okay, we'll be right back there. Matthew 13. Now, here's something for us to understand and realize. We are not here because we're better than anybody else in the world. We're not here because we're smarter than anybody else in the world. We're not here because we understand things better than anybody else in the world, because whatever we have has been given to us. Okay? Now, let's read what Jesus said. When the disciples said, Lord, why do you always speak to them in parables? All right? Notice what his answer was. See? Can the people in the world take this? 
Try this, for instance. Go anywhere and say to whatever community it is, however large or small, we're going to close down everything from Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown, and everybody will gather together in whatever assemblies you can gather together, and you're going to hear the word of God preached to you, and you're going to obey God, and you are not going to work on Saturday. You are not going to have sports on Friday night. You will be killed. All right? So, we understand these things not because we're great. Because God is great. Because God is true. And we've been called to be a part of it. Okay? So notice what he said. The people in the world. See? Now they think they're right. There's something out there. I think a book of The Happy Atheist. Well, let's see how it ends. Okay. Here's why he spoke to them that way. Verse 11. Jesus answered and said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries, plural, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. What knowledge we have has been given to us and to the people of God. Now, one thing we've tried to do is to get it all written down. So once again, let me urge every one of you, get all of the major books and booklets that we have. Don't depend on the Internet. One EMB can wipe out everything everywhere, on every smartphone, and on every computer, and on every digital device. But it can't affect the printed word. You need the printed word to study, to learn, okay? It has been given to you but it has not been given to them. Think about that. Now then, here's another principle. And this principle is right there. You can put in your margin, right in your Bible. Grow in grace and knowledge. Okay. For whoever has understanding... To him more shall be given, so understanding will increase and will increase and will increase. And he shall have an abundance. That's what we are to have. But whoever does not have understanding, even what he has shall be taken away from him. Quite a thing. That's why people will ridicule What do you do? So he said, this is why I speak to them in in parables. Okay? Now, let's come back here to Ephesians, the third chapter. Let's see that the understanding of God's plan and the kingdom of God 
and becoming the sons and daughters of God in eternal life through the first resurrection was completed through the writings of the apostles. So anyone who rejects the New Testament cannot understand. Anyone who rejects the Old Testament cannot understand. Let's see what Paul says. Did Paul write anything down that was his own opinion? Oh, a couple of things, but he let you know it was his opinion. Paul says, for this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the ministry of the grace of God that was given to me for you, how he is made known to me by revelation. Remember Daniel 2? God has revealed. God revealed to the prophets. God revealed to the apostles and prophets in the New Testament. How he has made known to me by revelation the mystery or the secret, the secret of God. All right? Stop and think about this. How important are we to God, all the brethren of God? How important are we? We're the most important people in the world to God because he's given us his word, he's given us his spirit, he's given us his understanding, right? Isn't that something? See, where is the burden? There is none. Where is the hardship? Well, those who come along. Made known to me by revelation and mystery, even as I wrote briefly before, so we'll look at that in just a minute. So when you read this, you will be able to comprehend my understanding in the mystery of Christ. Now, notice this next statement, because God doesn't reveal everything all at once. See? Which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men. Now, they're alluded to in Isaiah. They're alluded to in Daniel and other of the prophets, but not really made known because Christ had to come first. Okay. As it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Hold your place here. We'll come back. Let's come to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Let's see how God does it. He does it with his word. He does it with his spirit. He does it with when we yield to God, when we believe God when we obey God, when we love God, all of those things are there, see? That's how you understand the secret. The secret doesn't come because you're smart. If you take what I've said here and present it to a whole room full of PhDs, PhDs, some have as many as three PhDs. Let's see what they understand of it, huh? Okay. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, verse 7. Let's pick it up there. See, because there's the wisdom of God, which is the truth of God, and there's the wisdom of this world, which comes from Satan, the devil. 
Verse 7, because we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, a mystery to them, not in the church, to people in the world. And where was Paul when he wrote 1 Corinthians? Well, this was after he was at Athens, right? Okay. What did he do? He spoke to all of the philosophers, the great minds of the Greeks. And he told them, you're kind of ignorant because you worship an unknown, you put up uh, a memorial to the unknown God. You don't even know him. So Paul took advantage of that and said, I'm going to tell you about that unknown God. Okay. Wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom of God, foreordained before the ages unto our glory. Yes, God had the plan all worked out before, but he revealed it in stages. Now notice verse 8, which none of the rulers of the world had, has known. None of them have known. Not even Nebuchadnezzar. Remember what happened to Nebuchadnezzar even after Daniel told him what the dream and the vision and the fulfillment of it was? Then in chapter 4, he got all lifted up in his vanity and he said how great he was and God had to strike him down and have him eat grass like cattle for seven years to teach him a lesson. You don't thumb your nose at the power of God. Okay which none of the rulers of the world had known. For if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But accordingly as it is written. Okay, see? Now, this all tells us exactly what we need to know. Everything comes from God. Everything in our lives comes from God. All the physical all the spiritual, all the understanding comes from God. Okay? According as it is written, the eye has not seen, nor the ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things which God has prepared for those who love him. See, there it is right there. See? That's why we do what we do. And we do it willingly. We do it lovingly. We do it crying out to God, help us to understand. How much do we really know? I mean, even all of the things that we do know, what's that going to be compared to what it's going to be like to be a spirit being and be in the kingdom of God and be a son or daughter of God? What is that going to be like? Okay. Verse 10, but God has revealed them. Just exactly as Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar. God must reveal it. Okay? So it works this way. God sends out the call. When they respond to the call, then God begins to deal with you. If you don't respond to the call, you're on your own. You're back in the mystery of lawlessness of this world. Okay. Then 
We have to come to God his way, and as Lyle pointed out, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit of God, etc., okay? But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So, to put it in vernacular term, everything that God has caused us to know about his word and his plan and his Sabbath and holy days and everything about God, all contained in the greatest book in the in the world, the Holy Bible, translated into over 3,300 different languages so that no one would be able to say, God, you never let me know. Then God will say, well, I send it to you in your, your own language. Oh, you mean that Bible? Yes. Did you read it? Why, no. Okay. That's your answer. You didn't believe me. You didn't obey me. You didn't love me. Okay. Deep things of God. Now then he shows this. It's impossible for human knowledge to come to the understanding of God's truth and knowledge. Now they can come part way with some things, but that's it. Okay. For who among men understand the things of man except by the spirit of man which is in him? In the same way also, the things of God no one understands except by the spirit of God. That's how it comes, see? That's a tremendous thing. Now, we'll find out about that this coming next Sabbath because I'm going to talk about the invasion by aliens from outer space. And the world is wondering all about that. Okay? So we'll show what does the Bible show about invasion of aliens from outer space and they are... The Bible answer is absolutely amazing. And that's what the Feast of Trumpets pictures, okay? In the same way also, the things of God no one understands except by the Spirit of God. Okay? Now, we have not received the Spirit of the world. Where does the Spirit of the world come from? The Spirit of lawlessness, which comes from Satan the devil. That's the Spirit of the world. But the spirit that is of God, so that we might know. See? How great is the knowledge of God. See? How great is it to know that the very key and lock to understanding the things of God comes from the Sabbath, the Passover, unleavened bread, Pentecost, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles, last great day. And that fills the Bible with the knowledge of God. Scattered a little here, a little there. Some hard to understand, some easy to understand. 
and all put together, see? But without that framework of the mystery of God understood through his through the knowledge of his word and through his spirit and through living in the end times. See, the apostles, when they first started, they thought, boy, Christ is going to come in our lifetime. You can read about that when you, you read 1 Corinthians. Boy, they were expecting Christ to return. And think about what happened to the whole church when Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D., and Jesus didn't come. Huh. Eh? You talk about a test of your faith. Right? Think about that. And Satan was right there, right at that time, to begin to cast doubt in the minds of those who believed in Christ saying, where is the promise of his coming? That's why we have the book of Revelation, which answers that question. Okay? Now, this is how important everything is that we are in here. Now, notice what he says here. Verse 13. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Holy Spirit in order to communicate spiritual things by spiritual means. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And that's what would happen, just like as I brought out, where if you proclaim the Sabbath from Friday night to to Saturday night, wherever you might live, and all stores shut down, all businesses closed down, no games, no no, none of that. Oh, where would the college sports be? <laughs> where would the sales be? How can we make money without Saturday sales? You can hear it because they're all carnal-minded. They wouldn't be able to understand that. So this is why it has to be revealed. Okay. So come back here to Ephesians 3. Let's repeat verse 5. Which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, even as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Okay. Now he wrote this when he was in prison in Rome in 60 A.D., only 10 years before the destruction of the temple. That the Gentiles might be joint heirs, joint body, joint partakers of his promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Then he says that he's the the least of anything. And that God's plan is going to be glorious. It's going to be fulfilled. Okay, now we'll save the rest of Ephesians 3 for a little later on, but let's come to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's see the thing that is important for us to understand today and to look forward to, because one of the great keys in understanding what God is doing is when the first resurrection takes place. 
All right. Verse 42. Let's go on from there. Okay. Now at this point, Paul did not understand anything more than the first resurrection. And none of the other apostles understood about a second resurrection until John wrote the book of Revelation. Okay? So that shows you the understanding we have today. So he says, so is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. That's true. Everyone dies. Okay? It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So he understood that. See? He could put that together and that we're going to be glorified as the sons and daughters of God. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Now, what's that going to be like? Huh? Okay. Little sidebar. What about the wedding feast of the Lamb? What are we going to eat as spirit beings? Huh? What's that going to be like? Well, we don't know. But the best way to find out is make sure you're there. <laughs> There's a natural body, there's a spiritual body. Accordingly, as it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living soul, and the last Adam became an ever-living spirit. However, the spiritual was not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man is of the earth, made of the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As the one made of dust, so also are all of those made of dust. As is the heavenly one, so are all those who are heavenly. We're going to be like Christ. Remember the vision of transfiguration that Jesus took Peter, James, and John and brought them up to the top of the mountain and was transfigured before them in vision? Huh. That's what we're going to look like. That's a spiritual body. Okay. Now notice this. Here's a guarantee. As we have borne the image of the one made of dust, okay, do this. That's you. Your body. The very fact you have a body and you have a mind and you have God's spirit is a guarantee that you will be there in the first resurrection if you're faithful to the end. Okay. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly one. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption, because I show you a mystery. Mystery, the secret of God understood. We shall not all fall asleep, but we shall all be changed in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, what is that going to be like? All right. Well, 
That's the mystery of God. So let's look forward to all the coming holy days of God that we have coming now and the feast that we have. And let's have the kind of love and fellowship and togetherness that we need since many of us are scattered and this gives us the opportunity to get together and let's keep our minds focused on the overall goal of the mystery or secret of God.